If you haven't been here, we've, uh, we started off our first week looking at Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan. We've loosely based all that we want to say in this series uh, through that question that the, that the teacher asked of Jesus. And all that you're saying, Jesus, well, in light of all of that, who is my neighbor? And that's the question that I felt God was just wanting us in this season to begin to ask. Who is my neighbor and, and how do I respond well to them and how do I think well of them? I'm reading through the Gospel of Mark at the minute and it gets to, it gets to Mark chapter 12. Uh, I think it's Mark 12. And, and again, another teacher comes. Teacher, Jesus, which, which is the greatest? Of all the commandments, which is the greatest? And Jesus says that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that you would love your neighbor as yourself. This is the greatest of all the commandments. It feels like we're onto something that is really important to the person and the ministry of, of Jesus. And if I can just say, just to, to, to speak about last week really briefly, I think that what David asked, the question that David asked last Sunday was really important, a really significant question. As you know, I, I hope you know by now, identity is, is one of our core values. We want to keep speaking well of, of, of this issue of identity, who we are. We want people to know. We want you to know who you truly are. Jesus talked about the devil in, in the Gospels. He, he's the one that's the father of lies. And so we come to our God who cannot lie. And so who, I'd love to know what, what, uh, whose voice or whose voice are you listening to? Because what the orphan does, the heart of an orphan, it rejects self when comparing with others. But the heart of a son, the heart of a daughter is affirmed because he knows. You as a son and a daughter, you are affirmed because you know the value that he places on you and he cannot lie. He cannot lie. And as as Jenna was leading us in that second song, I, I, I believe that she was on onto something that in our in our midst today I sense that there is a curse of comparison it, it, there's times where just riddle it, it just consumes me this curse of comparing myself to others and it could be really simple things it could be your ability to cook it could be your dress sense but it could be it goes, it goes deeper than that it could be your ministry it could be your giftings and I just sense not just in this place, but not just in my life, but across the church that we, that we are too often consumed with the curse of comparison. Are we going to be a people that once and for all draw the line and say, God, I trust that you're not a father of lies. You don't lie. You cannot. You cannot lie. And so all the things that you have said about me are true. And I'm affirmed because I'm a son. I can no longer, I, I want to... I, let me pray right now. Can I pray right now? Holy Spirit, would you come in these moments? And God, even, that, even the language of comparison or that language of the curse of comparison just feels like it's hit, it's hit the nail for someone. And God, I just pray that you, would, that you would come in this moment. And throughout the course of this day, God, you just break that curse. That self-rejection, God, because we've compared ourselves with other people. God, we'd be people that will be confident that we would be people who would rest in your, and rest in your prob- promises and your confidence, God. We'd be confident in your faithfulness. Come, Holy Spirit. And just as we continue to, to speak and to share, God, I just pray you just, you just 
would minister unto us. God, you would break that curse. And David's question is really important from last week. Who do you think you are? Because the truth is, as we think about it in the context of this series, how can you love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love yourself? Simple as that. And we're wanting you to keep on wrestling with that. We're wanting you to keep on being as vulnerable and open and as honest as you can to break that curse of comparison. Where's my wife? Can somebody stand in front of my wife so that I can't see her eyes? She's, uh, I'm on strict instructions about my time this morning. So uh, if I avoid her eye contact, I'll maybe just keep going. Um, I, I shared, uh, shared a number of weeks back, inspired through David and Amy and others who felt like uh, at the start of the year, God had, uh, had just deposited something within them, a word or a phrase that he was challenging them to live by in this, in this new year. For me, I'll keep being honest, I haven't got to that place where I can think in terms of a full year yet. I feel like I'm a wee bit better, but I'm just still in that place of thinking seasonally. So I just felt like in this season, the, the, the sort of the word or the phrase that God had stirred my heart with was being present. Was being present and giving my attention in every relationship. In every relationship, in every environment that I would be one that would be, be present and that I would one that would give my attention whatever that relationship was, whatever that environment was. There's times where, there's times where it's, really, it's still a challenge, it's still difficult. But the times where, I, where I'm intentionally present in the moment, the times where I'm with the kids or with Judith or whoever and feel like I'm giving them my attention, it's... I, I, I see the beauty in it. I sense the goodness of God in those moments where I will just be present and I will just uh, pay attention. And so this morning, all for the, since, uh, since so David spoke last week, but even before that I felt like there was, there was a few things that I knew I wanted to share this morning. And really frustratingly on, on around Friday, Thursday night, Friday morning, I felt like God was, gonna, was taking me in a slightly different direction. And I was like, God, you know that I cannot cope with 48 hours to try and gather some thoughts uh, but Mark chapter 4 uh, Mark chapter 4 verse 24 I read this verse and I have just become it just become one of those things that as I kept going back to God just would give me a wee bit more for what he wanted to say to us this morning I believe and so Mark chapter 4 verse 24 I'm not sure what your version says, but in the NLT it says, the closer that you listen, the more understanding will be given. The closer that you listen, the more understanding will be given. And, I, uh, and I've, sp- I've been saying this for, for a while. I, spend, I feel like I spend enough time with leaders, with church leaders, people that are in ministry, spend enough time with myself to know I don't know if I'm willing to say it's the, the greatest need but I'm willing to say that it's really it's high up there that we are in this we are at a time we were desperately need to pause we desperately need to wait to pay attention 
to listen. And so if I was to, if I was to try and uh, ask a question of you this morning in the same way that David did last week, I think I want to ask today, how, how good a listener are you? How good a listener are you? Like I've realized in this, in this season of trying to in, be intentionally present, of just being one that will show up, that will give my full attention, I have, I have found it, is, it has become really clear to me that my ability to connect and my ability to listen to God is directly linked to my ability to connect to people, to my neighbors. It's directly linked to my ability to connect and listen with people, with my neighbor. And so that's what, I, that's what I want. I want to encourage you today that we will be people ultimately that will listen to God. And we want to do that. We want to give space for that on Tuesday night. We want to be people that will stop, that will pause, that will wait, that will pay attention, that will listen. And that is, that is important. It is so important because ultimately that this connection is the most significant and the most important of all. But I have seen that, that it's directly linked to my ability to connect with other people, to listen to other people. And so there's times where I try to be as self-aware as possible. And in those moments, I, um, whenever I'm a cranky husband or... No, I'm not. What do you say? Whenever I'm a cranky husband or whenever I'm really short with the kids or the times where I'm distant with friends or I'm distant in, in certain environments, I know that it's because I've stopped listening. I feel like I've become so much more self-aware that I'm able, to, I'm able to quicker detect I've stopped listening. Those moments where, where relationship seems really tense vertically, it's because the relationship... Uh, the relationship horizontally has got uh, tense and strained. It's because relationship vertically has become strained. I know it's because I've stopped listening. I know it's because I've become distracted. I know it's because I'm not finding all of my life in Christ. I love something just leaped to me when we sang that, that line. My life is hidden now with Christ in God. And those times where I, don't, where I find in my life from something else, my heart is given to something else. There are the moments where relationship is severed, there's connection has been severed with him, and it's directly linked to my relationship with, with my wife, with my kids, with friends, with family. And so over and over in the New Testament, if we were to bring this back, take this off of me and bring this back to the... To, to what the, what the Bible reveals. I didn't count it, but to reckon it's over a hundred times that God comes to his people and says, you're not listening. You're not listening. You're not listening. You're not listening. Just to give you one example of that, you don't have to turn to it, but if you want to take note of it, in Psalm 81, this is what the psalmist says, hear, O my people, and I will warn you if you would, but listen to me, O Israel. You shall have no foreign God among you. You shall not bow down to an alien God. I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt. Open your wide your mouth and I will fill it. But my people would not listen to me. They would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow 
their own devices. If my people would, but listen to me, if Israel would follow my ways, and the psalm goes on. Over and over again, God comes to his people and says, you're not listening. If you would, but listen. I felt like that's what he's been saying to me in this season. Neil, if you would, but listen. It's going to, and, and, and that's why I'm bringing it in. I felt like I, we wanted, it's like, God, can we bring this? This doesn't seem like we can bring this into this Who Is My Neighbor series. And, and, he, and he just kept, he just kept saying, reminding me over and over again that our ability to listen well to him is connected to our ability to listen well to our neighbors. And I just think we're in a time that we desperately need to listen. And in the same way that people desperately need listen to. I read last week, I don't know if anybody else seen it on the BBC News. Uh, there was an article in the BBC News and it said two-thirds of people, two-thirds of people that did a survey and two-thirds of people have no one to talk to. I find that's I find that really that's painful. Two thirds of people. That the most people. Most people within your communities, most people within your neighborhoods, according to this survey, most people have no one to talk to. And of all the things, of all the articles to remind me that that there is a desperate need for us to listen and there is people are desperately needing to be listened to. It was that and I and I come and I come to the scriptures and it I don't want, I'm reluctant to just feel like a scattergun approach through the scriptures, but I come to certain principles that seem so important throughout the word. And, and James wraps it up really simply in James chapter 1, verse 19. And he presents us with a really helpful advice, with really wonderful biblical principle, with really Christ-like uh, evidence of Christ-like character when he says in verse 19 of chapter 1b, make sure I get it right, be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. Be slow to anger. And you know that that's that's challenging enough, but it's even more challenging when we live in a culture, when our culture that we live in is almost directly opposite. We've mentioned social media before, but I don't even need to mention social media. Just within our culture, we see that we are, even in, in, in politics, in sport, in all of that, there, it's the opposite, that we are so slow to listen and that we are so quick to speak and that we are so quick to become angry. But James comes with this, with this counter-cultural word and says, you live, you live opposite. In a culture where people are, are not listening, in a culture where people are too quick to speak, too quick to get angry, you come in the, in the opposite way. Proverbs chapter 18. Uh, and I can't not but, but quote it in the Eugene Peterson, in the message version. Eugene Peterson says that answering before listening is both stupid and rude. So feel free to use that today. Somebody has, that's part of, that's a verse in the Bible that's been translated. And it's, it's close, it's, it's really close to what the original says, but people, that if you answer before listening, it's both stupid and rude. Really quickly, I'd love to talk a little bit more about Solomon this morning, but just to show you and remind you of the implications of not listening. 
See, I, I have, I have, uh, as I've read through the, through the, through the Bible, almost with. I've tried to do it over the last couple of years, just coming here first. Because I just find myself, I'll go to a commentary, and the commentary will tell me what the scripture and the passage all means, and then I'll go and and say, oh yeah, 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 that, that's right. But now I just, I've tried to do it the opposite. I'll come to the Word, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say through your Word to me? And then see if commentaries have anything that they want to add. But I've, I've read through 1 Kings chapter 3. I've read through 1 Kings many times, but 1 Kings chapter 3, I've always, I've always wondered that... Uh, I know it's always been popular that whenever we come and we sp- speak about Solomon, we say that he was commended because he asked for wisdom. But every time I went to 1 Kings chapter 3, I felt like, well, that's not what I've seen. Every time I went to 1 Kings chapter 3, it was, it was he asked for a discerning heart. And I'm sure that, like, there's wisdom in that. But there's something about that discerning heart that, just, that, I, that I've uh, never, really, never really paid any attention to until this week. And so in the Hebrew, it's lev shema. Lev is the word for heart, and shema is actually the word for listening. And so, so, so what Solomon had asked for was a listening heart. The pressure of taking on the, the role of king from his dad, who was, there was no one like King David. And all, it, all that, that entailed, and he came before God, and he says, of all the things that I want, I want a listening heart. And so it says that in 1 Kings chapter 3, and then in 1 Kings chapter 11, we, we see and the story unravels when we see the implications of not listening. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 9 and 10, essentially, God comes to Solomon and says, Solomon, you've stopped listening. You came and, and you were one that wanted a listening heart but you've allowed your mind, you've allowed your heart to be taken by other things. You've allowed your eyes to be distracted by other things and you've stopped listening. There is serious, profound implications from not listening. And so let me try and wrap through this in the next 10 minutes. We want to be people that will listen before speaking. Listening before speaking is really important. And we're talking about that in the context of our relationship with God, but equally Equally, we're talking about that in our relationships with our neighbors, with our, in our relationships with family and with friends. That we would be ones that will learn the art, because it is an art. I'm convinced I know myself well enough to know this is an art, to listen before speaking. And actually, do you know what the other thing is? I really felt like this was the word that the Lord just kept stirring in my heart over the last, over the last few days, that we would listen before labeling. That we will be a people not only, and this is probably more around relationship with others, relationship with neighbors, that we would be ones that would listen before labeling. Because what I've come to know, I, uh, I got a, my, my next door neighbor, Andy, he turned 50 yesterday. And, uh, and I got to, I chatted with him for a wee while this morning, five or ten minutes. And I just realized that, that he, he told me what he was doing for his birthday and because I've got to know him a wee bit whenever he told me what he was doing for his 50th birthday I just said that you are going to love that that is just that is just right up your street that is absolutely that's really a simple thing but because I, because I knew him because I've got to know him uh, I feel like I'm able to listen to him I'm able to, for him to tell me his what's going on and what's his, what's his story and, and I just thought as I left that conversation that I 
I cannot know someone if I'm not willing to listen to them. And even though what he's passionate about is completely opposite to what the things I would be passionate about, but if I want to, if I want to be able to, to, if I want to be able to generate a relation or build a relationship or be able to generate some conversation, I have realized that I need to be one that will listen. Am I right? Um, that if I don't listen to you, neighbor, then I can't know you. And there's things, there's temptations that I have. I live right next door and there's temptations that I have to, to label my neighbors before I'll even listen to them, before I'll even get to know who they are. And so my thing as well is that there are so many assumptions that we need to get rid of. When we ask this question, who is my neighbor, I would love to suggest to you that there are so many assumptions that you need to get rid of. There is too many things that we assume about our neighbors. And so we label them. We have already labeled them. We label them because of what we've heard about their sexual orientation. We label them because we've heard about their race or their gender or their political beliefs or their spiritual beliefs. We've already labeled them. We've labeled them because of their race, gender, politics, sexuality, all of that. We've never listened. We've never listened, and we don't know them. And there is only one thing that you can rightfully assume about your neighbor. There is only one thing that you can rightfully assume, and that's that they're made in the image of God. It's that they're made in his likeness. And it's that, it's that he thought that they were of such value and of such worth that he went to the cross. That he died for them. There are other things that we do assume, but there's only one thing that you can rightfully assume based on the word of God. And it's that they're made in his image, regardless of their sexuality, regardless of their political beliefs, regardless of their gender, regardless of their spiritual beliefs. There's only one thing that you can rightfully assume. And it's that they're made in his image and that Jesus thought they were worth giving his life for. And I look at Jesus. I look at Jesus and... I am. Um, <laughs> I was saying to Jesus this morning, Jesus, like, how did how did you do this? You are, you're incredible. You're beyond comprehension. You're so good. And I watch him as he engages with people, as he engages with his neighbors, as he engages with those that are part of his his community in this time. And Jesus refuses to assume. I've always wondered why, Jesus, Jesus, why do you ask so many questions? I felt like there was a moment of revelation this week. He asks so many questions because he refuses to assume. I know because some of you are thinking, get it out of the way. What does assume do? It makes it out of you and me. But uh, there's things that, uh, there's assumptions that we need to get rid of. And I think that Jesus asked so many questions because he refuses to assume. And so I, I, there's literally like dozens of questions that I could go after today. But as we read through the Gospels, as we read through Mark, what do you want me to do for you? It seems really obvious. Comes to a blind man, and the blind man comes to him and says, and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? It seems obvious, but Jesus refuses to assume. 
He comes and he says, who do you say that I am? He's, he's heard their conversations. He's had insight into their conversations. But he wants, to, he wants them to say it. He refuses to assume. So he asks, who, who are the people saying that I am? Who do you say that I am? He, he discerns what the people are thinking in certain environments, but he still asks the question, why are you thinking these things? And he's talking about John the Baptist. He's asking, what did you go out to see? There's other times when the, the teachers come to him or the lawyers come to him and, he, and they ask him, what is it, what is it, that, uh, what is it that is written? Of course he knows what is written. But he wants to know, how do you read it? What is written and how do you read it? And I think Jesus shows us what it looks like to refuse to assume. I think Jesus shows us what it looks like to listen before speaking. Jesus shows us what it looks like to listen before labeling because he knows that people need listen to. He knows that, that he can't know them if he doesn't listen to them. And that's the example that he, that he gives to us. He's inviting deeper conversation. He's asking these questions because he's inviting, he's inviting deeper conversation. He's saying that I'm interested in you. He's saying that I'm interested in your story. This is really important. When it comes to asking this question, that you would be one that would, that would decide, now I'm going I'm I'm to get rid of all the assumptions, and I'm going to begin to ask questions. And it's going to invite deeper conversation, but what will it tell the person that is being listened to is that you want to know them, that you're interested in them, that you're interested in their story. And I... I there's things that I, I know that I'm on this journey of being, wanting to be better at listening. I really want to be better at listening to him. I want to be better at listening to you. I want to be better at listening to my wife. I want to be better at listening to my kids. I want to be better at listening to my neighbors. And I think there's times where I struggle to listen because do you know what? It, it's, it means you're empty and a wee bit of control. Being one that will stop and wait and listen, you're empty in control whether that's in conversation with him or in conversation with others, because I don't know if you're anything like me, and I think we need to stop it. Because too often when we're in conversation with people about whatever it is, maybe it's a real deep issue, maybe it's a real deep problem, and all the while while somebody is talking, we are rehearsing our answer. God, deliver me from that. But all the while, we want to sound smart, we want to sound profound, we want to give the right thing to say, and we stop listening because we are rehearsing or answer, and, and I would ask you to stop it. I become, I feel like I become increasingly sensitive to some of this, and I'm aware there's times where I'm in a room chatting to somebody, and it's in a room where there's going to be big leaders that are a part of it, and I become maybe it's, maybe I need to man up a bit. But there's times where I'm in a room, and I and I'm aware that you're you're listen, you're sitting, we're having a conversation here, but you're looking at the door to see when when this boy's coming through the door. You're, we're having a conversation here, but I'm aware that you're looking around to see if there's anybody else that I can tell how group quick my church has grown in the last 12 months. Is there anybody else? that? I, and all of that sort of stuff, I've become increasingly sensitive to that. And I say that to you because people are aware of it. Those times where you're in conversation with other people and you're looking over their shoulder because you're waiting to see somebody else coming through the door. Times where you're completely distracted and not being listened to. And that is painful because there's times where people are being at their most vulnerable. And the last thing they do need, they need is that you would be distracted. The last thing they need is a rehearsed answer. There's a guy, David Morrow, says that the opposite of listening, 
you would think the opposite of listening is speaking, but the opposite of listening is not speaking. The opposite of listening is waiting to speak. The opposite of listening is waiting to speak. And so I would just encourage you, I don't know if I have any points here, but I'd encourage you to listen, listen, before, listen with your whole self. If there is points, listen before speaking, listen before labeling, and listen with your whole self. What about that three-point sermon I found just as I glanced down? Listen with your whole self. And I, I cannot but use the example of Nicola and Dad. And I know that, some, that Dad's maybe used it before, but growing up, Nicola was wanting Dad's attention. And, and uh, it's not that Dad was necessarily distracted, but Nicola was just adamant that she was not telling the story unless Dad looked at her in the eyes. And I don't know if Nicola ever said it, but I just as I was thinking about that, thinking about Nicola and Dad, just, just felt like I was almost hearing it in the back of my mind. Would you listen to me with your eyes? Listen to me with your eyes. Listen. There's a listening that we can do with our whole self, and I'd encourage you to do that. Maybe you struggle with eye contact, but just in some way, listen with your whole self. Listen fully present. Listen giving your full attention. And I, and I, I don't want to seem like I'm going off on a rant about phones or media all the time, but I, I, I struggle. It's I really do. And I struggle because, and I, I hate it when I say it to myself, but on the phone when someone's talking, do you know what? That communicates to that person way more than anything that you have to say with your words. There's somebody in conversation with you and, and your phone beeps and you want to read the message while somebody is having a conversation with you, that level, that, that communicates something to that person more than anything you will then have to say with your words. And I'd love just to err some caution around that. Maybe you're maybe you're more thick skinned than I am, and forget about forget about that piece of advice. But for me, I I just want to be fully present. I want to be fully engaged, and I don't do it all the time. But the last few times we, we were at Neville and Joe's for for dinner the other day, um, and I I made sure I left my phone at home. I'm 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 going to Neville and Joe's house and I'm being fully present with them. Whatever is going on, even if we're just going to have fun, if we're just going to have the crack, that's good. But I'm being fully present. Maybe you get there and we want to have some sort of serious conversation about what God's doing within us. Equally, I want to be present. I want to give my full attention. There's times I've just made sure I've left, I've left my phone at home. I don't do it as often, but there's times when we're, at, when we're on holidays and I, I leave my phone at the place that we're staying. And Judith loves that. Because Judith knows that if I leave my phone at home, she has my, she has my undivided attention. I'm going to be so much more present when I'm willing to, to, lay, to set those things aside. And for you, it's maybe not a phone. It could, be, it could be TV. It could be a book. It could be anything. But I just, wanted to, I just want you to know that apparently probably people that know better than me around body language, but you're, you're communicating over 60% through your body language. And, and I think that shows a lot on how you're listening. Hearing is an act of the senses, but listening is an act of the will. And so that's why for me it's still a journey because it's a choice. It's a choice in, the, in every environment I'm in that I'm in. When I just come before him in worship, I'm choosing, I'm choosing to listen. When I enter into conversations with people, and I, I'm, hearing is, I'm hearing because it's, it's an act of the senses, but listening is an act of the will, and so I'm, I'm just trying to get to those moments, choose to listen. Come on, you need to listen. You need to listen. All of those things that, you're, that you find hard, keep wrestling through them. 
And so the difference between hearing and listening is, is paying attention. And so he longs for your attention, and people are longing for your attention. People deserve your attention. And so all the while what I've, what I've been speaking, let me just take 20 seconds. Can we just take 20 seconds and be silent? Be as silent as we can for 20 seconds, and then I'll pray. Really simply, in, in those moments of quiet, I, uh, I couldn't hear this thing the whole time I was speaking, but in silence I'm paying attention to this. I couldn't hear, I don't know whether it was Isaac or Eloise at the back, I couldn't hear them the whole time I was speaking, but in the moment when it was quiet, I was able to pay attention to the, to the cry of one of them, the gentle cry. And just, I just think there's some things that happen in the physical that also happen in the spiritual. And in the physical, when we, just, when we just be silent, we pay attention to things that we wouldn't have heard otherwise or that we missed or we didn't pick up. And I think the same things happen spiritually. Whenever we just will be silent, when we'll just be still, we pay attention, we'll pick up things that he wants to say that we wouldn't have picked up otherwise. The same thing with our relationships with neighbors. When you decide to pay attention, there will be things that that you've missed all along, but as you pay attention, you'll have, you'll, it's like you've heard it for the first time. All along, you were hearing those noises. All along, that's what was going on, but you missed it. But now you've stopped and you've paid attention. And so, Father, I thank you for, uh, I thank you ultimately for Jesus. I continue just to be in awe at who he is and what he did, how he lived his life and how he died his death and how he rose again and how he continues to speak and to... Uh, pursue that relationship with his people and so we pray that you would be honored you would be exalted god we'd be people that will be good listeners god when the question is asked of us are you a good listener that uh, that we we'll spoke we would be spoken well off where that's concerned so we love you and we thank you so much in jesus name if you are bold